0: Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. There are the big stories, the stories that command the attention of the major media, which are always run first with, not necessarily the bleeding leading stories, but the VIP stories. Who's running for president? Who has added their names to the roster of Democrat candidates for president? And what's the latest with President Trump and the, what I refer to as the Trump investigation, and so forth. The big stories, they command our attention. And though the personages in these offices change over the years, there are so many intransigent problems that just continue unaddressed Not only unresolved, but unaddressed. Not only unaddressed, but ignored. Or perhaps committees are created to study this problem or other, you know, over long periods of time. Studying this and studying that and what should we consider possibly doing about such and such? A little bit on the order of these exploratory committees for aspiring candidates for president. Except... When these aspiring candidates announce that they are establishing an exploratory committee, that is just newspeak for their, in fact, at least initiating a presidential campaign if it hasn't already been initiated some time before that. But these problems, these nagging problems that continue not only as they are, but to worsen and to endanger the lives of the people in this nation and of nations around us. That our wonderful public leaders can't be bothered to do anything to resolve. I expect you saw the stories, heard the commotion regarding the tragic death of Malaysia Goodson in Manhattan. She was carrying her one-year-old daughter down the stairs at the 7th Avenue subway station back, I believe, on January 29th when she fell And she died, 22 years of age. Well, the wonderful Metropolitan Transit Authority, or Transportation Authority, if you prefer, MTA, they, of course, are concerned that they not be blamed. (laughs) Right? Isn't that always the way? And so, the Manhattan medical examiner, Dr. Barbara Sampson, you would think, well, a woman, she's going to be particularly compassionate and caring and empathetic and sympathetic towards this tragic plight of this young mother. But I thought her words were nothing short of fascinating in an exceedingly troubling way, negative way. And she suggested that Malaysia's death was not caused By the fall, but, quote, appears to be related to a pre existing medical condition, end quote. Fascinating. Not caused by the fall, this young woman's death, but instead she died due to a pre existing medical condition. So she would have died at that time in that place without the fall, according to this, right? Not so. It's one thing to say that there may have been a pre-existing medical condition that was exacerbated by this fall. But to say the fall is not responsible for triggering this woman's death, is extraordinary dishonesty, enormously (sighs) deceitful and dishonest and dishonorable. Dr. Barbara Sampson, medical examiner, chief medical examiner in Manhattan or in New York City. This dear young woman, dear young mother's one-year-old daughter, Riley, whom she had securely tucked inside of a stroller that she was carrying down the stairs, survived. How many times in your lifetime have you heard of People, typically elderly people, falling down some stairs, falling down basement stairs, going down into the basement or the cellar or what have you, or a lower level to do laundry or coming up the stairs and falling on wooden stairs and dying. How many times? Or suffering a broken hip, being put in a nursing home, and dying very shortly thereafter. Or suffering a head injury and dying shortly thereafter. How many times? It's not once in a blue moon, this kind of thing. Well, here, here we have these extremely heavily trafficked subway stations. The stairways are not wooden, they're concrete, concrete. In some cases, that concrete may be covered by other materials, other dangerous materials, made of materials which are intended to be able to withstand the punishment, if you will, of extremely heavy traffic over long periods of time. But extremely dangerous to fall on these. I thought it was fascinating that the managing director of the Metropolitan Transportation Authority suggested as she spoke to the New York legislature, New York state legislature she said that the agency would consider making this one station accessible. They would consider it. Isn't that good? Again, here a compassionate, caring, empathetic woman, Veronique Hakim, the managing director, of the transit agency. That the agency would consider, oh my, isn't that wonderful, isn't that responsive and responsible and outstanding, that they would consider that in the wake of the death of this young woman. Well, last year, Subway Chief Andy Byford proposed a plan to add enough elevators by 2025 so no subway rider would be more than two stops from an accessible station. Isn't that outstanding? More than two stops more than a half-hour walk (laughs) for a woman with a stroller. Isn't that outstanding? He suggested that. He proposed that, to have that in place by 2025. Outstanding. You know, I thought New York City was supposed to be, and that this is true now for my word, you know, A century anyway one of the most advanced cities on the face of the earth i mean is that an exaggeration isn't new york city supposed to be one of the most outstanding richest most prominent most powerful most important cities on the face of the earth if not the most isn't that true i mean am i misstating that am i overstating that that New York City is one of the most, if not the most, important, powerful, rich, advanced, sophisticated cities on the face of the earth. And yet, Here they have a subway system comprised of 472 subway stations and less than 25% are wheelchair accessible. A quarter, a quarter at the most of the city's subway stations are wheelchair accessible. So approximately 25%. Fascinating. Meanwhile, Boston, Beantown, up the Boston Post Road <laughs> in Massachusetts, and Chicago, Chi-Town, Illinois, they both have subway systems that are more than 100 years old, And they have more than twice as many so-called accessible stations. But not New York City. Isn't that fantastic? Boston. What's the percentage in Boston? Not a lowly 25% or so, but 71%. More than seven tenths of Boston's subway stations and 69% of Chicago's. So, again, approximately seven tenths of Chicago's rail stations have been made accessible. And they are going forward with plans to have 100% accessibility, but not in New York City. In New York City, the managing director of the Metropolitan Transportation or Transit Agency, she states that the agency will consider making this station, 7th Avenue Station, accessible. Accessible meaning what? Well, this particular station, it has escalators that only go up, (laughs) all right? Because after all, you only need help going up. You don't need help going down the stairs. And yet, interestingly enough, normally, (laughs) in the majority of the cases, you hear about somebody falling down the stairs into a basement, they're going down the stairs, not up. But it can happen either direction, but normally going down. But this station has escalators that only go up, and it has no elevator. And so for mothers with children... Mothers with babies, mothers with toddlers. They are endangered, not to mention people that are hobbled with injuries, with degenerative arthritis, with missing limbs, with age with injuries. They're on crutches. They're wearing a knee brace. And so on and so forth. The list just goes on and on and on. Or pregnant women, great with child. Or how many of these young mothers in their childbearing years are pregnant with one baby, have a toddler in a stroller, have another young child by the hand, and so forth. And going down these treacherous concrete stairs, brick stairs, steel stairs, what have you. But as if that isn't bad enough, And it is. But if that isn't bad enough, then they are further endangered by the crush of commuters rushing up behind them, past them, around them, not only not helping them, but literally endangering them. But what do you expect in a nation that is so wonderful, so full of the milk of human kindness as the United States of America. What should one expect? Should one expect anything better than this? I mean, you know, if I didn't know better, and I don't, you know, I don't know better, this is the kind of conditions, the kind of circumstances I would expect to find in a so-called developing nation, third-world nation. But for this to be the case, the norm in the United States of America, New York City in the United States of America, is outrageously disgraceful. And so the chief medical examiner, in her own way, dare I say, she is covering up (laughs) this death. No significant trauma. No, it does not appear that her death was due to the fall. No, it wasn't triggered by the fall. It was all due to a pre-existing condition. How many of us have pre-existing conditions? I do. I have a boatload And if I die (laughs) while I am recording this program, it will no doubt be because of those conditions. But if I fall down a mountainside, if I fall down a flight of stairs, if I fall coming down a ramp off of an airplane and die, Even though my pre-existing medical conditions may, in fact, be involved, my death would be triggered by that incident. But this chief medical examiner somehow manages to fail to grasp that, or to put it more accurately, denies that. And obscures that fact deliberately, premeditatedly. But public servants, she's a public servant. Yes, these compassionate women. You'd think it was just some callous, chauvinistic male doctor, right? No, no, no. Compassionate women. Outstanding. But that is in the United States of America in 2019. These subway stations made back in the 30s, constructed in the 30s. And our wonderful public servants, the heads of the MTA, Metropolitan Transportation Authority, here in New York City, in Manhattan, ha, they haven't been bothered to do anything about it. Isn't that wonderful? I would think, and, and perhaps I am just, you know, again, I'm naive. Okay? I am naive, ignorant, you could say, pertaining to this, right? I don't have intimate knowledge, But as far as I am concerned, for any person to be put into a position, promoted to a position of authority, of a transit authority, a transportation authority, an airport, a harbor, a train line, whatever it is. As far as I'm concerned, a bare minimum requirement is they have an intimate knowledge of what they are overseeing. If they don't have that intimate knowledge before they are promoted, if they are brought in from another place, let's say they bring someone in from Cleveland, all right, or from Detroit, or from some other place. and they bring them in, then I would think it would be incumbent upon them, absolutely mandatory, that they get up to speed quickly, that they familiarize themselves with the specifics of whatever it is that they're being put over, put in charge of. But that, at a bare minimum, they would have expertise pertaining to such systems in other places if they are brought in from another place. How many people would find it difficult to navigate their way down, up, up and down these stairways. Even without muggers (laughs) attacking them, even without the crush of rushing commuters selfishly, callously, carelessly, recklessly rushing about past them, behind them, and so on and so forth, even without that. How about people with something like a eye dog, what have you? How many of them are going to be in a position of jeopardy going down these stairs? down to a concrete platform. And yet, our wonderful public servants in charge of these systems, perhaps they never use them. You know, perhaps. Perhaps they never use them. But whether they use them or not, they need to go there and see them and observe what's going on. If they have a brain in their head, they should be made painfully aware of the potential for disaster. Once upon a time, long ago, when I was a young man, And I was going to a college, a university at that time, and I took a summer position as an assistant accountant on a an expensive construction job. I had no expert construction knowledge, no expertise. But I was, a, I was doing safety audits on the job to look for problems before they arose, to fend off disasters, not merely work time losses, but grave injuries and deaths. And I remember being so frustrated that though I found numerous dangerous situations that my reports, my suggestions fell on deaf ears. Instead money was spent on balloons and banners and all about being safe and so on and so forth, and how long it has been without a work time loss accident and what have you. And nothing was done to prevent foreseeable incidents. It was so foolish by the company because if there had been incidents, there could have been very expensive lawsuits. But, They rolled the dice, and uh, (laughs) I guess no such thing took place. I went back to school, continued my formal education. But some people are more geared towards that, (laughs) towards concern about potential dangers not for themselves necessarily, but for others. And then there are so many others that are not remotely, faintly wired that way. People like the president, for instance. People that are focused on themselves, on getting ahead, on numero uno, on getting their next big promotion. And so many of these women who have scaled the heights in their careers, are of that ilk. All of them, no, but so many of them. But this poor young woman, her baby girl will be brought up by family members instead of by her mother, as well as (laughs) close family members. How many times is it in your experience that accident, so-called accident, accident after accident, incident after incident, collision after collision, has to take place, tragedy after tragedy has to take place before. Anything is done to make some exceedingly obvious change in structure, such as at a traffic crossing, at a railway crossing. In this case, these entrances and exits for subway stations. So many incidents need to take place before anything is done, because the bureaucrats in charge don't care. That's really the bottom line. The public servants, the bureaucrats in charge, don't care. But if you want to trust in government to take care of you, then my word, you know. You know that it's only the evil private corporations that would be so callous and uncaring. And indeed, private corporations are no more compassionate, caring, loving, responsible than the people that run them. And the idea that, well, if they're run by women, then they're, going to be, then they're going to be really good citizens, right? You know, run by women like Hillary and so forth. Then they will be really good citizens. Well, not always. Not always. Before I go further, let me just say I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. And whatever is right and good and true in this program is thanks to my Lord and God, God Almighty and His Holy Son, Jesus Christ. Whatever's wrong, lacking, erring is due to me. That's on me. Perhaps you are of the opinion that firearms, if we could just get rid of firearms, then we would have a peaceful nation, peaceful world. You know, there are people who do believe that. Going back some time, I don't know how long, how long it's been now a couple years or so i saw this statistic and statistics you need to beware of statistics you know of data beware of it because it can be manipulated it can be twisted so use it for ballpark figures don't absolutely rely on the the stats. So when I say 71% accessible subway stations in Beantown and in Boston, 69% in Shite Town and Chicago, approximately 25% in New York City, Manhattan. You know, don't <laughs> uh, don't gamble away your your fortune on on those figures. <laughs> you know, they, they can be off by whatever amount. And the best we can do, we can, you know, very carefully, gently rely on those numbers as being correct. But, again, with regard to these numbers, in Detroit... Response times for 911 calls, for emergency calls. Uh, this is one thing, you know, you will see in this day and age, it just seems like children, teenagers in high school, teenagers in middle school, junior high school, and, of course, now the little ones in grade school need to have cell phones and, in many cases, smartphones, Right. And, of course, one of the big reasons given for this is for safety. You know, if they get in trouble, they can call. And I found it to be just a little bit unsettling that with regard to response times for 911 calls, for emergency calls in Detroit, That the response times are, or at least at this point in time when I got this figure, they were on the order of an hour, an hour to respond. And fewer than 9% of crimes were ever solved. Okay? Less than one-tenth Of crimes were ever solved. They didn't specify whether this was violent crimes. I took it to mean that. But response times in the neighborhood of an hour. So, in other words, you're at home with your family and there is an attempted home invasion. by an armed individual or individuals. And these are frequently committed by multiple individuals. Armed with firearms and other deadly weapons. And so let's say that The mother, the wife, she rushes into a bedroom, bathroom with a phone, places a call to 911. And the father tries to fend them off without a firearm, without a weapon, against one or more vicious, violent, hateful, sadistic destroyers who are armed. Well, you only have to wait for an hour or so before you know, the police arrive and protect you, defend you, save you. You don't need firearms. Oh, goodness gracious. That could endanger your family to have a firearm there, right? Much safer not to have firearms, Much safer just to have an electronic alarm system, right? That couldn't possibly be breached. No one could possibly make their way in. Even if your child has left the door open. Even if your children have been outside playing and they have just come inside. (laughs) Right? Or... There's a knock at the door. There's a ring on the doorbell. And a child opens the door. And in come destroyers. Instead of battering down the door, they simply (laughs) request admission. Could never happen. No. And you certainly don't want to have dogs. And if you do have dogs, you want them to be little bitty toy teacup. Yippers that will run behind you and go dive under the bed or maybe a golden retriever or two that will possibly lick to death any destroyers that come into the house because of their sweet, loving nature. You certainly don't want a protective dog or two. No, because they mess up the house. And if you have a nice, beautiful, modern home, especially like, you know, one that's been remodeled, you know, and uh, has a wide open entryway and, you know, the open floor plan where the destroyers come in and they can see anything and everything. They have an open sight line for everything right then and there. You certainly don't want to have dogs. You certainly don't want to have firearms. Certainly not. No. So, because after all, again, in government we trust. Government will take care of us. Government will protect us. Whether we are trying to commute to work or come home safely. Whether we are trying to navigate the stairs at a subway station with a bag of groceries or two or some items that have just been purchased shopping at a department store and with a child in tow, Or a baby in womb. Our government will protect us, will defend us, will take care of us, will nurture us. Yes, our government, in government we trust. Fascinatingly enough, the founding fathers, you know, those evil, terrible founding fathers, they did not trust. In the benevolence and beneficence and wisdom and godliness and righteousness of government. Instead, they feared it because they knew the potential for tyranny that government enjoys. And tends towards. But we have all of these wonderful public servants, so many of whom now are running for the Democrat presidential nomination, who would only do good things as president. You know, they would only use the government for good, to redistribute the wealth, not from the wealthy. But from the middle class, (laughs) you know, uh, to the undocumented workers, that sort of thing. Yes, exciting stuff. Uh, We've got so many outstanding ones there coming our way. I was surprised I was speaking to a person the other day, surprised at what he said regarding our president. And he said that, in passing, he said that he hoped that Trump, with reference to re-election, not not today, whatever, but with reference to running for re-election, that he would not, but that he would instead step aside and let someone else run for office. He didn't say... Mike Pence, but he said someone else. And I thought that was fascinating because I knew that he has been a strong supporter of Trump. So I thought that was fascinating. But I think it's a little bit telling of how things are at this point in time. It wasn't me saying that. <laughs> it was... was somebody who's actually a supporter of Trump. I saw this coverage concerning this precious young woman from Bangladesh who was married off by her parents to a vicious, monstrous, murderous destroyer And he attacked her, he gave her acid to drink, and he tricked her into drinking that. And this precious young woman, she was 21 years of age at the time, Burned away her entire esophagus, most of her stomach. For seven years, she lived at the Acid Survivors Foundation Hospital in Dhaka, Bangladesh. Imagine that if you can, that there is a hospital in Bangladesh devoted to acid survivors. Run that one. (laughs) around in your mind for a while. A hospital devoted to the care of those who survive. And it was stated that uh, as far as by all rights, uh, she should have died. That, in fact, I can't remember what the number was, but as far as the number of people that actually die from these attacks, it's the overwhelming majority. But this young woman she met a doctor from Canada. And he was on a medical mission. And she was brought to Canada and operated on, without giving the specifics about that, She weighed less than 80 pounds. She owes her life to these people. These people truly displayed remarkable love and compassion for this precious young woman. Meanwhile, back (laughs) back in Bangladesh, her former husband has been threatening to murder her and to murder her mother who went to Canada with her, to Toronto, threatening to murder them out of revenge. Revenge? (laughs) He attacked her. He tried to murder her so he could marry somebody else for her dowry. There are such destroyers, not just in undeveloped nations, not just in third world nations. No place has a corner on the market on good and godly and righteous people, and no place has a corner on the market on unspeakably wicked, savage, vicious destroyers. But once upon a time, this nation and the Western nations, formerly known as Christendom, believed in executing destroyers so they could not commit additional such evils. But that was long ago, no longer the case. I saw this case of these two sisters from Saudi Arabia who are seeking asylum, and they were in Hong Kong. And it reminded me of the case of these two young Saudi girls, I can't remember their ages, I believe it was 16 and 18 or 16 and 20, who were living in Fairfax, Virginia, and their bodies were found bound together in the Hudson River, New York City and i i never saw anything further about it i don't know for a fact that this was the case but it made me think that it had all the earmarks of a so-called honor killing you know where some wonderful loving daddy or uncle or brother-in-law or stepfather murders some girls for becoming too Western, that sort of thing. But anyway, again, I don't know if that was the case, but this case caused me to think of that. So these two sisters, who are aged 20 and 18, they tried to get away from their family, their Saudi family, while they were on holiday in Sri Lanka but they were intercepted by Saudi consular officials at Hong Kong's airport and had their air tickets canceled. Couldn't help but think of the murder of Yashogi there at the Saudi consulate in Istanbul. He has these consular officials of Saudi Arabia who so perfectly reflect that evil regime which is of course a most favored nation for the united states of america their passports were revoked and these girls endangered of being sent back to saudi arabia i don't know what further has happened to them but isn't it fascinating that they feel the need to flee from wonderful islamist most favored nation Saudi Arabia. Another case that I saw that I was unaware of the extent of this problem and was shocked to see that from 2007 to 2017 the United States of America's government, federal government approved 8,686 Spousal, fiancé, visa applications with partners involving children. Children. Spousal, fiancé, visa applications for partners involving children. Our federal immigration law is so bad that a United States citizen that is a child can sponsor an immigration visa for a foreign-born spouse or fiancé. For an Islamist terrorist to come to the United States of America for the purpose of marriage, a child A child in America, (laughs) so a child that's been born here in the United States of America gets up to be the ripe old age of, you know, 14-something, and can then be used to sponsor an immigration visa for a foreign-born fiance. is Isn't that exciting? Our system is that corrupt, that wrong headed. Outstanding. But taking good care of us, this one girl, Nyla Amin. She was forced by her parents to marry her first cousin when she was 14. And the first petition for her marriage was approved by the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Thank you.